That's good. Can you hear me now? You can hear me. Very, very good. A little bit. All right, raise it up. Thank you. It's good to have coaches. Okay, thank you so much. Okay. All right, what I'd like to do is uh, to begin this message, I want to introduce you to two women um, that have made a big impact on my life just last week. I met them, and maybe you have met them too. And uh, they really set the tone and the pace for this message and really touched my heart. So if you would, can we put that up, that slide up? Got it there. Technical difficulty. If not, then we'll just launch right into it. Yes, there we are. Okay, very good. So uh, anybody see? remember this? Did you see this this week at all? Okay, I'm going to tell you a little bit about this. I'm going to start with the little girl, is Giselle. And Giselle was born to uh, parents who, she had neonatal abstinence syndrome, a result of her mother being born. Uh, her mother used heroin, cocaine, and methadone during pregnancy. Okay, and so she, uh, her parents were taken away and removed from her. She was in the hospital, and uh, she became a ward of the state. She was moved to another hospital, and it says the state of Massachusetts took custody of Giselle when she was three months old, transfer her to Franciscan Children's uh, Hospital because her lungs needed specialized care. And she had a feeding tube. Now get this. The baby did not have a single visitor for five months. The baby did not have a single visitor for five months. Now I'm going to tell you something, okay? I had three kids, you've had kids, grandkids, you know that one of the sport of having children is everybody lines up at the window, right? And all the kids are there, and you tap on the window, and you try to get their attention, and you fawn, and, and, and all of these things over the baby. For five months, never happened, never happened. For five months, the baby never heard anybody say, she's got her father's chin. She's got her mother's eyes. Five months wasn't set. Nothing for five months. Then comes along Liz Smith. And Liz Smith is director of nursing at this hospital. And Liz was 40 years old and had every expectation, like we all have dreams, right, in life, that she was going to be a mother and she was going to have children. And at 40 years old, she found it just was not happening. It was just not happening. She had 13 nieces and nephews that she was investing her time in. So one day she was walking down the hall, and somebody was carrying Giselle. And she saw Giselle's blue eyes. And she was captivated, and she made inquiries. 
and the short and long of this is that she ended up adopting Giselle. Is that marvelous? Is that marvelous? And if you get a chance, I was going to try, but the technical things, I wasn't going to take a chance on it. If you get a chance, go to Google and um, uh, type in Liz Smith, Giselle, CNN, and there was an interview that they did with her, and this, this child is older now, and she was just bursting with joy. She had her teddy bear. She was just animated during the interview. Everybody was laughing, and I encourage you to go take a look at that. Now, this sets the tone because what I'm going to be addressing today is kindness, the need for kindness. The last time I was here, I spoke on um, compassion, on compassion, the need for compassion in the world today. And they're really part of that same beautiful, precious jewel, right? Compassion, mercy, forgiveness, all that who is found in the person and work of Yeshua, the Messiah. And so I would like you to turn to Galatians 5, if you would, and we're going to expand on our discussion. We can bring this down now, this slide. Galatians 5.22, Galatians, written to remind a local congregation that was slipping away uh, in their faith. They were, uh, there were divisions within the congregation. There were doctrinal issues. There was competition among leaders, and uh, false teaching was creeping in. And in the midst of this, Rav Shaul says this in Galatians 5.22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, humility, self-control. Nothing in the Torah stands against these things. And so when we read this, it gives us a whole scope and a whole panorama of uh, objectives and goals for us as believers that we should be cultivating in our lives. And one of those things is kindness. And it's, it's interesting, when you get into it, the word there in the Greek comes from a root word, which means to be useful, to be good, to be helpful, or to be suitable. And it's variously translated goodness, sometimes tenderness, sometimes friendliness, sometimes generosity. But I think all of us know and understand what kindness is when we see it and we feel it. Uh, kindness is love in action. And we are reminded throughout the scriptures in 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient, love is kind, love is not jealous, it's not boastful, it's not proud, it's not rude or selfish, it's not easily angered and keeps no record of wrongs. So when we think of kindness, we think of softness, we think of gentleness, we think of taking care. But you know, um, kindness sometimes also, we have to throw grittiness into the mix of that as well. Because kindness and sacrifice frequently go together. When we think of Giselle, the article didn't get into it, but Giselle has ongoing health issues. And as you can imagine, right? And so with Liz Smith adopting this child and bringing her into her life and her home, there's a good chance that this mother is going to have a lot of medical expenses, She's going to have a lot of time at the doctors and the physicians, and there's going to be a lot of ongoing care that she's going to need to give to this young girl with the beautiful blue eyes. So kindness requires of us sometimes sacrifice that we have to consider when we're reaching out to people. It's not always that soft, gentle, tender feelings 
Remember those of you who are parents, your kids growing up, and your kindness that you extended to them, and you were gentle. But they didn't always reciprocate that, did they? They didn't always. No, no, they did not. There are several reasons that we need to be kind. First of all, because Hashem has saved us through his kindness. God has been kind to us, and we need to think on these scriptures, for example, in Titus chapter 3, verses 4 through 6, but when the kindness and love for mankind of God, our deliverer, was revealed, he delivered us. It was not on the ground of any righteous deeds we had done, but on the ground of his mercy. He did it by means of the mikvah of rebirth and the renewal brought about by the Ruach HaKodesh, whom he poured out on us generously through Yeshua, the Messiah, our deliverer. And so, because he has been kind to us, we have to reflect that same kindness to the world and to others around us and to have an eye for opportunities. Yeshua is God's expression of kindness towards us. Ephesians 4.32 says, Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, and forgive one another, just as Messiah God has also forgiven you. So we have mercy, we have compassion, we have kindness, we have forgiveness. All of these things are, again, part of that same diamond, that wonderful diamond that is the person of Yeshua. But there's another reason that we should be kind as well. And that is that we need to demonstrate to the world the character and person of Yeshua the Messiah and the kindness and generosity of Hashem. Because we know in the Messianic community all too well that our parents and our grandparents and all these have vivid memories, right, of believers or Christians, at least anyways, whose kind or their kindness was lacking, their words and their deeds were inconsistent with the scriptures. And so you and I become the immediate presentation of this kindness and the demonstration of this genero generosity and this mercy. I had the opportunity one time, I was living in Canoga Park, and we lived on the uh, third floor of uh, an apartment building. And um, working with Chosen People Ministries, and really excited about the opportunity uh, uh, to serve. And, you know, when we think about kindness and we think about doing for the world, we got, we've got to put on what I call our spiritual bifocals, right? Spiritual bifocals. Anybody have bifocals? Okay, you know? Okay, good. All right, I turned them down. I couldn't deal with it. So, you know, bifocals have that long range, right, that you see the vistas out there, and then you have the, the, the short range, all right? Some of us, sometimes we get so involved, right, in the vistas and the horizons that we forget the things that are immediately in front of us and the opportunities that are presented to us. And so I was on the third floor living there in Canoga Park, and I was, um, I had my uh, far-reaching glasses on. I was going out that day, right, to boldly go where no Gentile has gone before. <laughs> I was going to go out to the campuses. I was going to go out to Beverly Hills. And I was going to share the gospel with the Jewish people and bring them the hope of Yeshua the Messiah. So I had my big Vista glasses on, and I'm walking, and I'm walking, I'm walking. And I got down to the landing on the, on the first floor, and there on the stairways 
was a woman about 80 years old, and she was sitting there like this. And her, her hair is starting to fall out. And I said, are you OK? Can I help you? And she said, no, I'm fine. I just come down here in the morning to uh, you know, get ready for the day and think about things. And um, she said, who are you? And I introduced myself, and we got to know each other. And it turned out that her name was Rose. She was Jewish. She was new to the building. And she had just lost her husband of 60 years, about 60 years. And so we developed a fast friendship, and I went into her home, and, and I found out that what she would do is she had her chair, armchair here, and she had a stand with a picture of her husband in his uniform. He fought in World War II. And she would sit there, and she would talk to the photograph because that's how she had that connection and that bond. And so I got to know her, and she got to know me, and I found out that another interesting thing, that she had just lost her husband, but she had a son that uh, they couldn't have children, and her son, uh, they adopted a son, and he was about in his mid-20s, about 25 years old. And um, she loved him dearly, poured their hearts and soul into them, and at 25 years old, one day they found a note, and it said, I'm leaving, I'm gone, don't look for me. And they were never, at that point that I knew her, they were never able to find him. He just disappeared, just disappeared. So here was Rose, this frail little bird sitting on the porch step, right? And she lost her husband, she lost her son, and she was sitting there, and, and she needed to go, she needed medical attention. And so she had been depending on her nephew to take her to the doctors, who was, and I'll just say it, for as far as I was concerned, he was extorting her. It was $100 a ride and back, okay? Because she was fairly wealthy, right? $100 out and back. And she was bitter about that. And so I had the opportunity to um, talk to her about the Messiah very gently and very carefully. But it was a tough row because... When I, got to, when I got it to the heart of it and we were talking about life and faith and justice and all of these things, the one thing that, jo that, that Rose wanted more than anything else, she wanted justice now in this life. She didn't want to wait to whatever happens in the afterlife. She wanted justice from this nephew who she was, ext was extorting her and about these things that had happened to her husband and about her son and all of this that went on and on and on. And so uh, I said, I'll tell you what, Rose. I said, um, I'll take you to your doctors. I'll take you to your doctor. Well, good, that'll be great, but I'll pay you. No, 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 no. I don't want your money. No, I'm going to pay you. Okay, I am going to pay you. Rose, I don't want your money. How much do you want, $25? I said, Rose, I don't want to pay. I'll, let's do this. I'll make you such a deal, okay? Here's what I want you to do for me, Rose. And I said those two magic words that all Yiddish mama loves to hear. Feed me. <laughs> feed me. You just feed me, and I'll take you, okay? And I'll bring you back, and then you feed me. And she was thrilled with that. She was like, oh, this is great. And so I took her, and we came back, and she ditched her nephew and so on. Um, 
But she understood and she knew that her nephew was only hanging around until she passed because of the will. She knew and understood that. She was very lonely. She was very unhappy. But the point being is I learned something there that here I was going off in the vistas, right? And right below me, literally below me, was a need sitting there on the porch. And we became fast friends, and, and I took her to many, many appointments. And uh, over time, um, eventually she passed. And I don't know that she ever came to faith in the Messiah. She, she was really clinging to justice now, but there were many, many good and tender moments. And I was pleased to have had the opportunity to at least shed some kindness and some light into her life that she was not getting from life in general from her perspective or her family. And so these kinds of opportunities, we need to be sure that we are aware of what is happening around us. There's all kinds of opportunities that we have. Um, one of the things that I, I love and I appreciate so much right now is that I have the opportunity to work with kids. Allison has given me the opportunity to work with the kids a couple times a month. And we were talking about the story of the Good Samaritan. And I was going to take them through a, a course of the Good Samaritan. And then you remember when Yeshua did the teaching about when you have a poor person come to the table, that you give them the seat, and the rich person doesn't, you know, they're off to the side. We talked about that. Then we went up right up to Purim, where we talked about heroes and courage and all of that. And so we were talking about um, the Good Samaritan. And of course, what was interesting about the Good Samaritan is that the Good Samaritan comes along and sees this person injured. And it wasn't that they just gave him money and then went on their way, if you remember the story, right? Took the individual, bandaged them up, carried them over to a place to stay, paid for the, uh, the, the time to be there, paid for the care, paid for the food, left, and then I believe the story says came back, eventually checked out, or I'm not sure about that. But anyway, the point being that we need to be sure that when we're doing kindness, that, you know, it's an easy thing to just drop five bucks, right, into the offering or whatever it might be, and to walk away and feel good about what we've done. But actually to jump into the dynamics of kindness and get involved, you know, there's a great opportunity there over on the other side of that wall to work with the kids in various ways and, and, and opportunities that are there. Um, I would encourage you, you know, Allison is always looking for you know, people to help out. And if you're inclined to do that, it would be a great act of kindness and compassion to instill in these children the kindness that Yeshua wants to develop in them. Because I'm telling you people, it is a cold world out there right now. One of the things we did is um, when um, Yeshua was talking about, um, let's see, this is in... James chapter 2. My brothers, practice the faith of our Lord Yeshua, the glorious Messiah, without showing favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your synagogue wearing gold rings and fancy clothes, and also a poor man comes dressed in rags. If you show more respect to the man wearing the fancy clothes, say to him, have a good seat here. Well, to the poor man you say, you stand over there, or sit down on the floor by my feet. Then aren't you creating distinctions among yourselves, and haven't you made yourselves into judges with evil motives? And so we were, I was teaching this with the kids, and we were talking about the poor man, the rich man. I said, why don't we do this? Why don't you draw pictures for me of rich people, what you think is a rich person? So they got up there with their markers, and they were drawing uh, pictures of, of mostly men with rings and 
and, and, and necklaces. And one of the kids, I don't know where she got this from, but she did that John Travolta thing. You know, with a, with a, yeah, yeah, it was with a point and with the shirt down and then the big medallion, okay, right here. Well, because I have no idea where it's studio, how Studio 54 got into this, okay? Um, and then I said to them, okay, do this for me now. The scriptures are teaching us that you, we can't defer to the rich individual, but we have to have consideration, honor, respect for poor people. I said, why don't you draw me a picture of poor people? And so they went up and they started drawing. And they drew people, tattered clothes, no shoes on their feet. Um, one of them drew a stick figure of a mother. It was a stick figure of a mother holding the hand of a child, also a stick figure. Okay, and it was very sad. It reminded me of Charlie Brown's Christmas tree. Remember that? You remember when you looked at Charlie Brown's Christmas tree? Oh, man. Okay, it was the same kind of feeling. And so they were drawing their pictures. And then I said to them this. I said, all right, let's do this. Explain to me their situation and circumstances right on the spot. And they started making up these stories. One lost their parent. Their, their parents lost the home. Um, you know, somebody lost their job. They went into all of these amazing things. So I said, okay, so here we have these poor people that are here. What do we do to help these poor people get back to where they need to be? What does Yeshua want us to do? Let's make a list. And so they got their marker, and they went up there, and they started writing their lists. And it was amazing. They were going to do blankets. They were going to do shoes. They were going to do socks. They were going to do cell phones. Um, you know, all of those things that we need to live, right? And, um, and it was really touching for me to see how they were really engaged with how poor people get to where they are or, or what their lives are like and, um, and what they could do to help them. And so this is what we need to be doing is shaping our children into a place where they automatically have the spiritual reflex to be able to show kindness and to understand when kindness needs to be uh, expressed. And, and I, but I also brought into it that we need to be wise and discerning about helping people because we have to work with our parents because we can't always be sure who we're trying to help really wants to be helped the way that we think the Lord wants them to be helped. So the question is, why now? Why, why do we need to reconsider this and think about kindness now? Well, you know, if you remember last time I was here and I talked about compassion, I don't know if you remember the story of Michelle Carter and Roy, uh, Roy Conrad. Anybody remember that? That was uh, a circumstance where this young man, I think it was, um, he was her um, boyfriend, or they were friends anyways. He was depressed, and he was suffering, and so he went into a garage, he went into a truck, and he turned the truck on, and he was um, going to kill himself. And if you remember the story, um, it's not a story, actually. It actually happened. Is what happened was he had a change of heart, and he was on the phone with her, and uh, he got out of the truck. He changed his mind. And um, her response to him was to get back in the truck and finish this. You remember that, right? Get back in the truck and finish this. And he did get back in the truck. And he did pass away. Okay? 
And in the in her her testimony was this: the 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 uh, Conrad's death is my fault. Like honestly, I could have stopped him. I was on the phone with him, and he got out of the truck because it was uh, working, and he got scared, and I told him to get back in, and that was her statement. Okay. We need to have our spiritual bifocals on to see what's going on in and around us, because the needs are not; they're just within uh, uh, an arm's length of being able to help people. Philippians chapter 2, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from me, uh, from your being in union with Messiah, any comfort flowing from love, any fellowship with me in spirit or compassion and sympathy, then complete my joy by having a common purpose, a common love, by being one heart and one mind. Do nothing out of rivalry, rivalry or vanity, but in humility regard each other better than yourselves. Look out for the interests of others and not just of your own. And that's a challenge. Because mind your own business is a theme in the world today, isn't it? Okay. You know, it's very, very interesting that um, with the onset of social media and so on, you know, it's really, it's, I'll make a connection here. You know, we, we were hearing all this um, buzz about climate change and how the world is heating up. But I would suggest to you the world is getting colder. The world is getting colder. Culturally, the world is getting colder. Social media, although there are many good things about it, has allowed people to attack other people anonymously. And it, it could be innocuous things. I see a celebrity gets her hair cut, and everybody's got to jump in and comment on it, okay, what, what's going on. Um, and so it's a cold place right now. And even Yeshua said this, because lawlessness is increased, most people's love will grow cold. Most people's love, and that's happening. And listen, I'm going to tell you something. I have, uh, amongst my peers and friends, and uh, I've had this experience myself, I've got probably about a dozen friends, when you talk about love, waxing cold, and so on, whose children have walked away from them and disowned them and won't have anything to do with them for various reasons. Love is growing cold. It, it's just the nature of the world these days. But understand this, 2 Timothy, that in the last days there will be times of difficulty for people will be lovers of themselves. Selfies, good, of course, Liz, exactly. Proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. That's a cold world but I don't want to leave you in the cold. So I'm going to heat you up a little bit, okay? I want to talk to you a minute. We'll bring the screen up, uh, next slide up in a minute, okay? I'm going to tell you about eight-year-old Luke Nelson of Edmond, Oklahoma. He was a young man, third grade, eight years old, hardly left the house without a hat after losing his hair due to alopecia, okay, last year. For a little eight-year-old boy to lose his hair, of course, it was hard and difficult, Luke's mother, 40-year-old Susan Nelson, tells people. Once he lost all of his hair, he immediately put a hat on, and he hid behind his hat. It began last fall when a small patch of hair vanished from his eyebrow. Within a matter of eight weeks, it moved to the side of his head, and by Christmas, he was completely lost all of his hair. 
we then realized that we needed to shave his head because he had lost all of his hair. So Luke's got these friends. And these friends uh, um, uh, attend Oklahoma Christian School. And these guys got it. They understood kindness. They understood compassion. They understood mercy. So they came up with a plan to help lift the burden and to add some warmth to this cold world. Do you want to bring that slide up? There we go. So what they did is 14 of them all went out or more, and they all shaved their heads. They all shaved their heads. Can you believe that? Eight years old, they shaved. I'm 60, and I'm sweating it, you know? I'm losing my hair. And at eight years old, they decided they were all going to shave their head. We just made it really fun, a fun hair shaving celebration, and we had donuts, Susan, the mother gushes. There was belly laughter as kids were giving each other high fives. As soon as the haircut started, listen to this, listen to this. As soon as the haircut started, Luke ripped off his hat, and he walked around with confidence and this swagger. There's nothing like an eight-year-old swagger, right? The gesture, listen to this, was life-changing for Luke, the proud mom says. It made him really proud. If anything, he's that he's been given this gift now. He sees it as a gift, and he can look at it as a gift, or he can look at it as an obstacle. He's chosen to look at it as a gift and to overcome it and hair. If he has it or not, that's not going to define who this kid is. He is a strong kid. As for Luke, he says he's still on cloud nine as a result of his friend's good deed. He tells people he's happy to be able to share his journey with children like him who uh, may have hair loss. It made me feel good, Luke said. I feel more confident. I can just be myself. I think it's important to share my story to help all those other kids that feel different. Kindness, kindness, kindness. Galatians 5.22, Liz Smith, Giselle, Rose, Luke and 14 other eighth graders. Okay, eight year, eighth graders? No, third graders, eight years old. Isn't that amazing? Okay. So I thought what we'd do is we'd test your faith. At 2.30, I have a barber coming here. <laughs> and we'll see who really believes this message of kindness. <laughs> and we're going to shave your head. Lord, thank you for your example of Yeshua, who is tender and mercy and kindness and compassion all rolled into one individual, that he is the Messiah of Israel, and that he has shown his kindness. You have shown your kindness to us by giving us his example and his sacrifice. May we be willing to be able to see both the long-term needs and the short-term needs and things that are close to us, that we can express kindness and mercy and compassion and be aware of the roses and the Giselles and the Lukes that are in our midst. We pray in Messiah's name. Amen. Amen. Please stand for the Elenu.